This episode is presented by TeamKeeper for Athletics, the cloud-based platform and consulting program for protecting your collegiate athletics brand. Because legacies take years to build, but only a day to destroy. Learn more at athletics.teamkeeper.com. Welcome to the Manage Smarter Podcast with hosts C. Lee Smith and Audrey Strong. We're glad you're here for discussions on new ways to manage smarter, hire, develop, and retain talent, improve results, and propel team performance to new heights. This is the Manage Smarter Podcast. Welcome, everyone. We're so glad you found us here on the Manage Smarter Podcast. Thanks to all of you. Word is spreading. Please share this podcast. Tell a friend. Subscribe, rate, and review. Everyone, I'm Audrey Strong. I'm the Director of Communications for SalesFuel. And I'm Celie Smith. I'm the President and CEO of SalesFuel. You know, Audrey, you and I both went to Ohio University, and one of my favorite courses there was a class I took at night on a Wednesday night, I recall, and it was called Business Ethics. I still have the textbook from, from that course because I just really loved everything about the course and, and also then tried to embrace and live everything that I learned in, in that course. And so that's why I'm delighted about that's what we're going to talk about today. Yeah, Donald Shepard. Hi, Don. Thanks for coming to the table. Audrey, hi to you and to me. Thank you for having me today. Sure. So for those of you who don't know Don, he is a highly sought after speaker. He is the author of The Dividends of Decency, How Values-Based Leadership Will Help Business Flourish in Trump's America. It's really what you say, Don. Integrity in business is not optional. Um, it's for everyone. And honestly, my first question was, this is, you know, remedial business 101. Uh, why, why wouldn't I have a code of ethics? Of course I have a code of ethics. And what you're saying is a lot of people and businesses don't. Seems well, like a simple thing. Or they do, but. <laughs> they don't follow it. Yeah. yeah. It isn't having a code of ethics. It's being ethical, having integrity, having values. And what the universities have done, um, uh, colleges have done is they put labels on it all, Audrey. Uh, they call it values-based leadership. I've adopted that. And uh, they call it code of ethics. Uh, it really reflects the fact that as individuals, as leaders, if we don't have integrity, ethics, and values, we won't succeed. And we won't attract the right people. And we won't have teams that will work together with us. So the, the code of ethics itself is really who you are. Uh, uh, you can't mask it right uh so the formalization is doing enron uh, one of the biggest scandals ever uh, had uh, 60 plus pages of uh, ethics wow. and, uh, it, it isn't it isn't what's there pharmaceutical companies that are ripping people off and they have code of ethics and uh, it, it isn't that it's it's recognizing what's important uh, in an organization and I'm sorry, I'm wandering on. I'm so passionate. Well, I, you, you, you'd mentioned colleges, though. I'd say immediately yeah. when, you, when you talk about that, I'm, I'm thinking about uh, college athletic programs where they have core values painted on the wall and they, and they have all the posters print, uh, around the locker room about what to do, what not to do, and everything like that. But yet, somehow, uh, you know, we, we see uh, in some of the bigger athletic conferences or something like that, there are problems. <laughs> That's a nice understatement. Uh -huh. Michigan, Michigan State would call it an understatement, so would yeah. Ohio State. For about uh, half a billion dollars, yeah. It really reflects, Lee, the issue of does the end justify the means? Um, you can have all the ethics and uh, code of conduct written down in endless places and on posters, but who are you dealing with? Who are the leaders of the organization? What is it that they think is okay? Does the end justify the means? Is having an extremely successful football program or sports program uh, at any cost warrant 
bypassing little ethical things. Uh, it doesn't, right? You always get caught. So sports, industry, life, uh, the people you work for, the people you live, uh, so, uh, know have as friends in your community. Anyway, um, uh, it's, it's really a problem. And uh, not broad and not everywhere, but enough that uh, we're uh, saying no more. We're holding people accountable uh, to being ethical. I, I'm sorry I if I Lee, went too far on that. Oh, you're fine. I told Lee that uh, my mother actually lost money on Enron. Her broker sold it to her. And she actually for years had hanging in her laundry room a letter from the original letter from her investment portfolio manager saying, we have this, it was like, dear Janice, we have this wonderful opportunity for you. It's called Enron. And we would just look at it, you know, hanging on the wall. Um, she, she might have a letter from Bernie Madoff too. <laughs> <laughs> no, thank God, no. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so how do you, if it's all about the the taking on of it and the embodiment of it, and, you know, you could use these 70-page ethics guidelines and policies for toilet paper if you're not really living <laughs> it, uh, how do you create a, a, a culture of um, ethics? It starts at the top, and it starts with our, it continues with a hiring process and who you surround yourself with, and obviously trickling down through an organization. Uh, most companies are well-run and ethically run, uh, and um, it's because uh, the people who are running them, are they, they're respected and, and they value their people, and people wanna work for them, and they work harder for a cause and a purpose. Uh, and um, so, how do you create it? Um, uh, uh, it's by certainly starting at the top and changing your hiring practices so that you recognize that integrity, ethics, values, play. I used to add morality in there too, but I, I, we've decided to give that up, I guess. Um, that it's part of what you see in people that you bring onto the team. How do you identify that in uh, HR situations? Yeah. <sighs> I just wrote a really uh, fun article. I've, I've had a, a ton published, but I just did one for Boss Magazine, and it's going, it's beyond the resume. I'm answering your question, I promise. Okay. Um, <laughs> most recruitment, right, follows a formula, uh, a resume and experience and education and, and so on. And there's the checklist that they go through to say, this person is qualified for the job. I don't think it's adequate enough. I think for key jobs, senior jobs that really reflect people who are hiring other people, uh, you need to go uh, beyond and literally go to an essay level. And uh, I, I search for what people did to make themselves better, what sacrifices they had to overcome to get somewhere, uh, what drive they had to accomplish something, um, how hard did they have to work to get to college if that was the case or in their last job, what did they do that outperformed other people? That's personal, isn't it? It's a, it's, it's a subjective. It's not on the checklist. Um, and um, uh, what has to happen is we need to look a little deeper. If you start by doing that with the leaders, they, uh, I, we've just been through all this, they hire people uh, that fill, fit that profile as well and so on through an organization. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. Good. Warren, Buffett, Warren Buffett actually says he's, he looks for three things when he hires for, for people. He looks for, he looks for intelligence, but uh, obviously, and he looks for drive, that sort of thing, but he also looks for integrity. And he actually says that, you know, if you don't hire, if, if you have somebody that doesn't have integrity, you don't want them to have intelligence. You don't want them to have that, that drive because like they'll do bad things. So it's like, it's better to actually have somebody with high integrity and maybe not enough of the other two things. Uh, well, you can get it all, but he's right. 
Yeah, they, they, right. ultimately the key is to try to get it all. That's right. But he's right, and he's he's not alone. All. So, I'm sorry, right. No, no. And, and the, the, my question to you is like, so I'm a manager yeah. and in the audience listening to this podcast right now. Mm -hmm. And so I'm faced with having hit numbers this month and I might, you know, I could get there and you know, maybe keep my job if I just cut this little corner here or maybe do this thing over here that, you know, maybe I shouldn't do, but I'm not sure I could justify it maybe. Yeah. Something like that. What would you tell to managers facing a situation like that? Because it happens a lot. Uh, go back and read a little on Wells Fargo. Uh, <laughs> yeah. What they did is set at the top sales goals. And this, this, is, this is valid and, and relevant. Is this the fake accounts you're talking about? Yes, exactly. Okay. Yeah. In other words, at the top, they set standards for the next guy down and so on. And so in the end, when people knew that that was the only measure, they cheated. Mm -hmm. And it wasn't hard to do. And by the way, their boss... Uh, condoned it or looked the other way more than uh, condoned it uh, because they were meeting goals. So um, uh, you have to uh, understand manager out there. If you're ever faced with that dilemma, it's a, it's a path you don't want to go down. Uh, you need to do the right thing always. And uh, if your superior is demanding certain performance at the expense of ethics, report that person, hold that person accountable because they're the ones that have the problem, not you. That's hard though, if you're working, yep. at, let's say you're middle yep. management and you're yep. smushed from yep. above and below, you're managing yep. up, you're managing down. Yep. You're not gonna report the guy above you because then you could lose your job, but yep. uh, it's, it's like, it's, it's a gray area, it's so hard. I it know. is so hard. Look what's going on though, Audrey, in, the, in our world of, of accountability. Me too, never again, the women's march. Mm -hmm. um, uh, endless uh, ways that people are saying enough and they're speaking up and the companies are responding. They're not going to, if some, in this, our little example here, if this manager, middle manager, lower level manager reported someone above them for unethical practices, they're going to get listened to. They're going to get listened to and they're not going to get fired. It's a risk, but the climate has changed. You decided less movies and others at CBS very, it's, there are a lot of the examples. People report it mm -hmm. because it's different. The climate's different. The organization can't risk. Yeah, uh, and you could hire Ronan Farrow to be on your staff. And just ferret everybody yeah. out. There you go. And get Weinstein <laughs> to finance it. Yeah. <laughs> All good examples. They've been outed, right? And uh, by people, and they're not going to get fired. Yeah. What are the four actions to follow you talk about in the pursuit of operating an ethical business? Rattle them off and fill us all in. <laughs> uh, well, uh, the, the, um, the, the reasons for having a code of ethics, they start with building a reputation for ethical behavior. It helps build customer loyalty. Yep. And in the end, you know, the win-win-win proposition is real. Uh, you need customers to be part of the team and winning and, and customers want to deal with, a, with an ethical organization. Uh, the, uh, in the correlation of that is the second one, that ethical businesses attract and keep good employees. And isn't it so true in our, our younger generation uh, uh, today are looking uh, to make the world a better place and have more meaning in their, their work. They want to work for ethical organizations. And um, uh, so that's the second reason. Um, the third, and it's the one that um, is a combination of all, it's creating a positive work environment. <sighs> it's um, how, isn't that what everybody's looking for? Do you guys enjoy your work? Mm -hmm. I know the answer is going to be yes, because that's why you're doing it. 
It's the positive work you might be the third. The last is one that's just very practical. It keeps you out of court. Um, (laughs) If you you don't have an ethical organization, you're going to be, find yourself in some legal trouble. So those are what I put in my book is the four reasons for uh, having a code of ethics. So you flew the W flag one extra time there. We're normally used to hearing win-win, but you said win-win-win. What's win. the third win for? Yeah, yeah. So you know zero-sum transaction means one person, one group wins and one group loses. But in, in uh, the real world, there's more than uh, uh, those two. So what I'm specifically referring to is the organization wins when uh, they achieve their goals and have achieved success. Uh, the, uh, it's obvious, I just said a minute ago, customers need to win. They need to feel they're being delivered, uh, quality work, uh, uh, as promised, and, in, and uh, in budget. That's the win for the client. The client has to feel that a win as well. The third is employees and associates. Yeah. They need to feel that they're winning in the proposition. There is a fourth, by the way, Lee and I. Uh, society, maybe? Hmm? Society? Absolutely. Yeah. That actually would be a fit for society. Absolutely. And, uh, but I was thinking of, uh, of contractors, subcontractors, vendors. That's right, because we're partners uh, in the process. You got that right. Look at Apple. Uh, again, I'm, I'm taking too long. To Apple without that. Foxconn, what do you got? Now, it's on it. That's exact. It's the, con- the uh, sub right? The app makers and so on. Mm-hmm. Anyway, so those are the win 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 problems. Everyone has to win. And uh, when you do, uh, obviously success is assured. From a logistics standpoint, so let's yeah. say um, they, they're leaning into their nanos and their phones right now going, this is great. Okay, I'm all fired up. I want to yeah. write up my thing and I want to implement it. And so what is your best practice for, I know we have all different size businesses um, listening, but is this a function of HR and then you do training with everybody? Does it go in the employee handbook? What's yeah. the way to sort of roll this out? Well, that's certainly the... Uh, practical ways in uh, management training within an organization. But I, I went and looked at um, uh, successful organizations and uh, I looked at what, what they were doing to uh, set as their guidelines. And so uh, the answer is, yes, you need to roll it out, but at the top, you need to start with the base. So Mary Barra, who's the CEO of General Motors, she says, it's her basis of doing business, if we win the hearts and minds of employees, we're going to have business success. Well, if you believe that as a mantra in the organization, obviously that's true. Jeff Bezos, he said, a brand for a company is like a reputation for a person. You earn reputation by trying to do hard things well. Warren Buffett, you just talked, I won't repeat it. Uh, Anyway, uh, Tim Cook of Apple says, you can only do so many things great, cast aside everything else. Uh, 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 The point of, what's the mantra of the organization? Uh, How do you value your people? How do you value your customers and clients? Uh, uh, It needs to be incorporated into practices, right? Because just like ethics, it could be down in a book uh, uh, somewhere, but unless you're doing it, uh, so. Well, and if you say you love your employees, don't make them do icky stuff. Well, respect them and value them. Um, I I built a business. I mean, uh, uh, it doesn't mean that things are always good. It doesn't mean always giving things away. It's involving people. I have them understand what's going on, what the goals are, what your vision is, uh, and understand what times are tough and what uh, roadblocks are. It's all of that. Is there any, I mean, case study that you can relate or a little story you can tell us? Um, it's story time corner now, everybody. Hey. Um, <laughs> Cue <laughs> the music. <laughs> I think that the thing that, that sticks in my craw when I read the news, and I'm a news junkie, I have CNN on right now in my office, um, <laughs> is that 
being principled and ethic in your business practices is sometimes the harder thing. The oh, yeah. easier thing is to, to it would be to not be ethical and not be principled, and that's the easier choice. And so, do you have any stories you can share that relate to that, where a company was courageous and made the harder right choice? Uh, even if it took them longer to do something or it made them less money. And they were rewarded for it and we all lived happily ever yep. after. <laughs> yes, I <laughs> that happy ending. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> Anything uh, you're thinking of? Uh, well, a, a, a really easy one. I, oh, one of my idols uh, is uh, Bill Gates of mm -hmm. uh, Microsoft and what he built. Um, by the way, I just want to disagree with something. I think it's a heck of a lot easier to exhibit integrity, ethics, and values in life rather than trying to exist without it. I agree. Uh, it's uh, like somebody we know who has trouble uh, t telling the truth. It's hard to keep track of it all mm -hmm. and know where you've gone up there. So anyways, mm -hmm. back to the example. Uh, Bill Gates uh, started a pretty successful company and, and uh, did it by building teams. So you just heard that Apple went over $1 trillion in value. But Apple was about to go out of business. I think it was 99, doesn't matter. It was right in That's that right. period. And uh, uh, Bill Gates came forward and invested $250 million in them to keep them afloat. Mm -hmm. He didn't have to, they were a competitor. He, they were a competitor and he could have put them out of business, but that wasn't the right thing to do. And um, so he did it. Is that a good enough example? Yeah, I was thinking kind of like Lehman Brothers, you know, it was easier to bundle the securities and everybody looked the other way than it was to separate them out and say, no, we're but not going failed. to sell this. So it's not easier. Well, but that took a long time. And, and uh, it destroyed a lot of families. So, anyway. Oh, absolutely. I'm saying it's harder to do that. And yeah. you won't have success at the other end. Um, yeah. So many organizations um, have that. I, uh, in companies that are the top companies um, uh, uh, in, the, in the country, a lot of them are the newer companies, the tech, the tech companies. And um, uh, the... Um, uh, uh, universities and um, um, others that have the ability where they have money and they can start from ground zero and do things differently. They have hiring practices uh, than some of the more long established companies where they've been that way forever. Audrey, again, I'm taking too long to answer. I'll go back to an earlier, earlier yeah. topic. You were talking about the win, win, win. And yeah. So we, and I'm, we were talking about sports earlier and say, so you yeah. really think that in sports where it is a zero sum game, I mean, unless you're talking about soccer or football, as it's known in some places of the world where you have draws, uh, unless you're talking about that sport, it's like it's a zero sum, there is a winner, there is a loser. And you think, is it possible because of that, then it, that, that sports and athletics is more prone to uh, lapses in ethics than maybe some other industries that are out there? Well, uh, you know, that's, it, you can't just apply zero sum to a competition where there's a winner of a game and not. I'll give you the example of what I mean. Uh, Croatia ended up in the finals of the World mm -hmm. Cup, yeah. a, co a country of four million people. Um, uh, those players on that team were not superstars. They were playing against France, as you know, who had Huge, uh, tons of superstars and all that. I know a country of over 300 million that didn't even make the World Cup. So. <laughs> <laughs> well, that, yeah. And Italy, by the way. So, and Italy. Like, but take that example. And Talk about those people who were so involved and believed in each other and uh, working for the country that everything that they did had purpose and value. How much more successful were they as an organization than someone else who won more games? You, you see, it's not just um, uh, uh, winning 
the game, it's uh, winning in life. What are you teaching your players if it's um, uh, regardless of the means we're going to win? Um, you want to create, you want to build people who are good citizens, giving back and uh, growing. And what they teach them is, is, isn't in the one loss column. It's in creating people. Mike Krzyzewski, who's one of my heroes. I mean, he's, he's creating people who um, are good citizens and do the right thing. Okay, I'm, so it's not just the win-loss, Lee. Okay, so when you're dealing with youth, absolutely. Yeah. When you're yeah. dealing with college, absolutely, because yeah. you're trying to develop leaders and, and develop uh, upstanding men and women. Yep. Um, there are coaches, though, that say when you get to the top level, the top division or something like that, okay, all that other stuff is for development and the top level is for winning. So it is, it's all about the winning. It's not about, I'm trying to teach you a lesson. I'm trying to make you a better person or something like that. In their mind, it's all about winning. What do you say to those people? I say that uh, you're not exactly right. What they look for, um, New England Patriots, uh, they're looking for people that are team players, people who work for each other. Uh, uh, you can criticize them all you like for all their winning, but it isn't necessarily all all-stars. Uh, they're looking for people who can be team players and supportive. And what are they doing about the person who, do, who lacks ethics, values, character? They're, they're jettisoning them. Uh, they want people who represent uh, the right role model as well. So uh, professional sports isn't immune from it. Um, uh, and, and you know this, the, uh, uh, the, the coach, uh, the player who uh, exhibits unethical behavior uh, we'll be gone. So, well, of course, you need be winning. Of course, it's like making money as a company. Of course, you need to make money, but you don't need to do it on that. And hopefully, that applies into the owner of our football, of our soccer club here in Columbus, or whatever. Because, uh, yeah, he's, he's not a he's not a popular figure here. So, for exactly the ethical reasons that, that that you suggest, but that's that's just a fan point of view. That's not anything I can prove in court. So. <laughs> but so you should think about this in more of a qualitative rather than a quantitative mode of thinking of course that's, a, that's a great way to put it right? yeah of course it sounds like yes. my chicago cups or oh, every 108 <laughs> years we're flying a dmw flag again <laughs> <laughs> so um yes. don we can get the book uh the dividends of decency we can get it on amazon.com it's getting great ratings right yep okay great ratings all fives uh and uh it really is being well received but you know what i would love if people went to their local bookstore they there won't see it on the shelves but you got to support local businesses as much as you Great. can. Mm -hmm. Go to your local bookstore and they'll get it for you, uh, obviously. And um, uh, I would prefer that people did that versus just automatically going to Amazon or Barnes & Noble or Walmart. Uh, I believe that we'll, our economy is better off with small businesses thriving. Yeah. Amen, brother. So. Sounds good. And it's DonShepard.com. And Don, um, your Twitter is... Uh, Don, at Don Shepard 2012, is that how you want people to reach out to you or do you want them to go through the website? It's easier to go through the website okay. uh, because they can see it all. But uh, it's all there by the connection to Facebook and LinkedIn and Twitter. But uh, uh, I hope they do. The book is worthwhile. I'm not plugging it. I'm not selling it. Uh, it's a relevant message in today's world and everyone will really enjoy reading it. I, I, I just you know, Don, what would you say to people who actually voted for Trump? Would you, and what, what would they gain out of reading your book? Well, um, I've, I've done some interviews in uh, um, York, Pennsylvania. What I would say is it's not a Trump bashing. I just use Trump as 
an example of someone who doesn't have integrity, values, and ethics. That's all. I'm not talking about uh, bashing him uh, uh, as an individual. I would say just read the book to understand how you can achieve real success uh, by by having that as your as your lifestyle, your yeah. traits. It's not a it's not a political book. It's a business no, no. book. It's a no, business no. book. That's for everyone. So <laughs> yes, yes, yes. All right, Don. Well, hey, thanks for coming to the table. We really appreciate it. This has been very interesting. We really appreciate the time. Thank you for the platform and thank you for letting me be here today. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed the show, please rate and recommend on iTunes, Overcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. You can also get more great information at salesfuel.com. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.